child-free, not childless. You would think that it's easy to distinguish between the two groups. The childless suffer from infertility, while the child-free enjoy infertility. And in this episode, we're going to talk with the child-free, those who don't want children. Hi, my name is David Duhamel. I'm a professor of economics at Parsons Paris and an adjunct professor at Sciences Po Paris. I tell stories of the world we're living in and even more about the world to come, a childless world. Before starting, I wanted to tell you that you are, as an audience, growing in number. Don't hesitate to subscribe, like, share, put some stars up. It's always great, it helps. And if you don't like it, share it with people you don't like. Maybe they too are growing in number. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The ideal number of children for every woman is the number she wants to have. Not one less and not one more. Today, I can have some regrets when a young woman says she wants to be child-free. But first and foremost, I'm happy that she can say it and even more than she can experience it. In my classes, many students announce from the get-go, for them, it will be no kids. But we have some numbers on infertility. In France, Roughly one woman out of 10, age 50, has no kids and would have liked to have some. And one in 20 is happy to be child-free. So this discourse that I feel very strongly in my classes, this demand of a child-free life, is, to this day, still statistically marginal. And demographers and sociologists look at the picture today and say that it concerns few people. But me behind my microphone. I tell you that the future in this matter will not look like the present. That the desire for a childless life is increasing, getting more common and getting part of the landscape. And the good thing is that if I'm wrong, it will take 30 years to find out. But this child-free movement, whether it matches reality now or tomorrow, what is of interest to me is how it exists as a discourse how it has become socially acceptable. To take stock of this, I have chosen to give the floor, in this episode's part one, to young people who self-identify as child-free. And in part two of the episode, to women roughly my age, one without children, who will tell us that it was the best decision she ever made, and the other, a mother of two, who will talk about her regrets of being a mother. Motherhood regrets, a taboo subject. But this is for the next episode. At first sight, the distinction between childless and child-free is clear. I repeat, childless wanted children and didn't have any, child-free don't want any, period. And yet, I suspect that this separation is not as straightforward, as clear-cut as it seems. But for now, let's hear from my students. Adelina first. She's Lithuanian. Does she want children? Um, right now, no. Um, I, and not even like right now, right now, as of age of 21, but just right now, how I imagine my life, I don't see myself having kids in the long run either. I, I'm kind of a selfish in, in a lot of ways, so I just don't see myself um, 
I don't know, like sacrificing so much time and money. If you decide, you make a decision to have kids, you better also make a decision in advance to sacrifice all your time and money. Um, so I don't really want to do that. Just personally, I, I just don't. Adelina is child-free. She cherishes her freedom and no one can blame her. But if I dig deeper... In almost every industrialized country, once the income of the woman rises, the sort of the distribution of household chores becomes more egalitarian, except in Eastern Europe. In Eastern Europe, doesn't matter that women earn more. The, the domestic work uh, remains almost entirely in a, in a woman's hands. And that is highly how it is. Um, even in my own family, both of my parents are college educated. Um, They're both strong middle class. My mom's even a doctor. My dad's an engineer. My mom does 100% of cooking and, and, and cleaning almost everything, regardless that they're both kind of very equal-ish bringers of income. And that seems normal. Like it's not even seen as like a weird and obscure thing. Is the situation getting better with the new generation? I used to live with, with, with my boyfriend for a while. Um, The, the, the division of household chores becomes based on an argument of skill. And what happens is that because young girls are taught these skills in their households, then it sort of becomes like a closed circle. Sure. That while, while you not intentionally do this because of like, yes, you're a woman, you should cook. It's just that one person can cook in that household, and it's usually the woman. Ah, men are not misogynistic. They're just not as good as cooking and doing laundry. Poor things. Carla, who is Italian, is just as resolute. Personally, I envision a life without children. I want to be free. Free to have a career, even a great career. And I'm afraid I would not have enough time to take care of my son. Not well enough. It's funny that the child she doesn't want is a son in her mind. Again, is she freely choosing to be child-free or has she internalized gender inequality? That's not for me to say. Carla envisions a life of dinks, double income, no kids, and that's understandable. Daniela, who is Mexican and does not want children, gives three reasons. That goes to the economic factor, the environmental factor, And the third one is also has to do with the social um, environment we're living in Mexico with feminism and mm -hmm. how it has become very insecure for women um, with the high violence cases. And I think the three of them point into a very anxious panorama for for me personally. Here, again, patriarchy and violence against women weigh heavily in Daniela's choice. Story of Daniela's parents begins in love. After two weeks of dating, he proposed. And then he never went back. They married and he moved to Mexico City. And then... The question was, my dad's career or my mom's career? I'm sure you can guess what followed. But now that me and my brother were leaving, we both left our house for university and they got separated. My mom 
now it's facing a lot of frustrations with wow. career-wise. She had the family she always dreamed of, and she has a great relationship with my dad. But my now she depends economically on my father. And so that has been a very uh, personal teaching lesson. I don't think I want to make those sacrifices for someone else. Julia lives in Poland. For her too, the problem is patriarchy and the politicization of gender. Gender war, if you will. I would like to, um, but there are so many different variables that um, actually make me think about it, whether I want to do it at all, whether I want to do it in Poland specifically. Julia tells us about the distribution of roles between men and women in Poland and how this is politicized and crystallizing around the issue of abortion. I ask her about the relationship between men and women. Uh, well, they still are. <laughs> they are still quite traditional. And um, I feel that, you know, especially when it comes younger women, for example, you know, my generation, I can see that among my Uh, friends, my peers, that we don't want that, that we don't want to, you know, re repeat that. Women in Poland tend to be um, more and more on the left side, which, you know, with regard to, to gender roles also, um, you know, has um, has has a significant um, meaning. So you could see that something is changing. Also, if you take a look at the education, you can also notice that younger women tend to be more and more educated and qualified than younger men. Women don't want to to simply fit the model, fit the, the gender roles that were, you know, traditional. Not repeating their mother's trajectory. From Mexico to Poland to Lithuania, it's the same story. And then there is Hector. Well, I'm Hector. I come from a small town near Valencia in Spain. I mean, there, there, there are a few reasons, um, but mainly for me, the problem is, is the, the world situation at the moment. Um, I think that, that uh, it's, it's a... It's a Our world is one in which it's, it's hard to be happy and, and to uh, live healthy and, and good lives. Um, and I think it's going to get worse. I think that the fact that our uh, that climate change is, is starting to, to become um, a, rather the the challenges that climate change poses have are going to be uh, bigger and bigger and we're going to be under more trouble um and our political systems are not dealing with it properly neither with climate change nor with the other um challenges that we are seeing in the 21st century i just feel it's very uh, it's not fair for the kid i, I was i remember having a, a pretty long conversation with a friend of mine one night and she was arguing for the same thing that It's not responsible to have a kid in this atmosphere. With Hector, there is a change of scenery. It's no longer a question of preserving one's freedom, but of acting responsibly. Me as a father, um, you know, that's also something important. Um, what, what if, I don't know, what if I fail with my child? I'm just scared of, of doing it the best I can when, when a person becomes 
rotten inside many times is is precisely because of their education. Um, uh, it's always know. the parents' faults. Yeah, exactly. So you can say that, but even like that, I, I I don't know. I'm I would be scared of of having a child, bringing them up, and not failing once or twice or three times or twenty, but rather failing in the project. You know, bringing up a person that either doesn't love me or that doesn't become a good citizen, uh, according to what I believe, a good citizen or a good person. Even the idea of citizenship doesn't have to be included. Poor Hector. He doesn't want to have children and is already thinking about whether the child he won't have should be a good person or rather a good citizen. You know what? I think Hector would make a great father. But he's so fearful. Fear of the shadow of the future. It hovers over him. It suffocates him. It's too scary. I, I, don't think, um, I don't think my goal is not to make money. So I, I might make money, but I might not. Um, in, in 20 years' time, if I, have a, if I had a kid in 10 years, in 20 years' time, if I'm not rich enough, I don't think I will be able to provide for them. This pessimism is widespread. According to a French study, 75% of the world's youth believe that the future is frightening and 56% that humanity is doomed. But only 39% hesitate to have children. Childless, child-free, at the heart of the opposition, there is the notion of choice. The former deprived of choice by biology, loneliness, economic necessity, and the latter free to make an informed choice. As I said, I'm not sure that what separates them is such a clear line. Is a woman who chooses not to have children to preserve their career child-free? Is a young man like Hector, who says he doesn't want children to fight global warming, free or forced? Even Adelina or Carla, so resolute, if the roles were better shared between men and women, would they choose differently? We will solve this mystery in the next episode, Child-Free Not, Childless, Part 2.